My name is Aaron Wardle. I have, uh, I know I'm always emotional this morning's a little bit more than usual because this is my first time not being on stage and hearing the praises of the people in this room is incredible. I've just been behind earphones for the last five weeks. And one of the things I want to start off because I have a bit of a heavy message, but I want to start off from a place of gratitude that God has brought us to this place. It's been a long time coming, and we've already talked about these things, but now it's my turn to talk about it. And as I sat here, I looked over, and I don't mean to embarrass anyone, but in the front row to my right, in the first three seats, there was three generations. Grandma, mom, and baby, toddler, worshiping God in this space that he has given us. In this sanctuary that he's carved out, as we always say, on a dead-end street in a city that don't love churches. Can we just take a moment to be grateful? Can we just take a posture to be grateful for, to God for who he is and all that he does? For the ups and for the downs. For the unlikely things that happened and the amazing, impossible things that he does. God is full of surprises, and he's always faithful. Can we just take a posture of gratitude? God, we praise you, and we thank you that we get to occupy this space. You are good. I praise you, and I thank you that, it, that you've whispered to us that you've credited the prayers and the praises of the room we were in for 60, 70 years. You're crediting that to this room, and we will build upon that for this generation and generations to come. This is more than we deserve, Lord. This is better than we planned. We praise you and we thank you. And Lord, as we go into this message today, I ask, Lord, I just ask that your faithful word of scripture will be released and that you will do everything you want to do. Lord, everything that's of me will be forgotten, but everything of you will be remembered. We come with a posture of gratitude for who you are and all that you do. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Got some questions for you. Ready for questions? Have you ever had to live in a place that you didn't want to? I see some laughing. Anybody ever had to live in a place that you didn't want to? Okay. Have you ever had to have a job that you did not want to do? Can I get a witness? Praise him on a trampoline. I have had a job that I didn't want to. I like this one. I'd like to stay. <laughs> have you ever been in a relationship that was not what you wanted it to be? Don't raise your hand because you may be sitting by the person right now. <laughs> and that will not make things better, friends. But have you ever been in a relationship that as you realize it's in a place that this is not how I want it to be? I am spending the majority of my week in a job that I do not want to be in. And I am living in a place where I don't want to live. We laugh, but it's frustrating, isn't it? It's disappointing. It's sad. And as we've been in this series of Seek the Peace, one of the questions that's been rolling around in my mind is, how in the name of the living God do we find and share shalom when we're in a place we don't want to be? My wife tells me, you do not hide your feelings very well. When I don't like something, it doesn't matter what I say, my eyes will tell you. 
My posture will tell you. But how do we find peace and prosperity? How do we share peace and prosperity in a place we don't want to be, in a job we wish we didn't have, and in relationships that are not what we want them to be like? Bummer questions, aren't there? But as I've been studying this week and as we've been in this series and Gene and Brian have done such an amazing job, I've been sitting in this passage of Jeremiah 29, 1 through 11, and all of a sudden it's beginning to open up and feeling the faithful word of God being released to see, oh my word, there are principles and a blueprint of how we are able to find and seek and share peace and prosperity in the seasons, in the relationships, in the jobs, and the location that we don't want to be in. And as I go into this text today, I just want to share for the next moments these things that I'm finding. Because it's revolutionizing my life. And I praise God that we are in this time. That we are able to find peace when we're in places that we don't want to be. Okay, we move to the book of Jeremiah 29. And this is what the text says. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Joachim and the queen mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem. The skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Eliezer of Shaphan and Gamera of another place, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And it said... Could you imagine you are in a place, you have been picked up from your home, you've been carried off with a bunch of your relatives and your countrymen, you're taken to another land, and you're forced to be there, and a letter shows up from the prophet of hope. Wouldn't there be some excitement? As the, the messenger brings the letter, I imagine the elders and the people gather around and go, we getting out of here. This is good news. And the people are excited, and they gather around to hear the letter. And then the word of the Lord comes. This is what the Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem and Babylon. And the suspense is amazing. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not increase. You can feel the air going out of the room. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies in you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. But this is what I say. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you. Bring you back to the place 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. What is the emotion in the room, the tent, the courtyard, wherever they're at, when they hear this? 70 years? How many of you in this room are going to be around in 70 years? I'm not. I'm 28, and I just won't be here. That's not funny. I'm 29. But one of the things, as they're reading this, they're waiting for hope. Some of them have just been issued a life sentence in exile. They are not getting out. And they're in this place. Could you imagine the disappointment? Talk about a time to kill the messenger. You're like, this guy's a liar. They're in this place, and there is real sadness, and there is real anger, because they are in this place for 70 years, and most of them will never see anything different. Remember our questions before? For some of us, you will never live anywhere else but in a place you don't want to. For some of you, you may never have a job that you dreamed of. And for some of you, the relationship that you're in, the close, isn't going to be all you dreamed it would be. It's the same emotion in this. There's real sadness. I could imagine the people going, time out, why me? All these other people got to stay in Jerusalem. They're comparing to the people that were, that were staying there. They're surrounded by false prophets. And they're in this place saying, I am not where I want and this is not what I wanted. Eugene Peterson, if we could put that quote on the screen. He talks about exile. And the essential meaning of exile is that we are where we don't want to be. We are separated from home. It is an experience of dislocation. Everything is out of joint. Nothing fits together. You don't have to nod or raise your hand, but anybody feel that today? I got an area of my life that is out of joint. I got an area in my life where I feel homesick for something better than where I'm at. And so the question is, how do you and I, as we glean the words of Jeremiah, as we glean the story of the Israelites and their captivity, find and seek peace in the place we don't want to be. And the first thing we do is we realize we're not stuck. We're sent. We're not stuck. We're sent. And so this first point, when we look at this text, and as I was reading it and ruminating, all of a sudden something jumped off the page. As I'm reading it, I continue to go, man, that's such a bummer that these people are captured and they're put in this place they don't want to be by Nebuchadnezzar. But the Lord over and over from the beginning to the end of the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes that God says, I sent you there. I carried you there. It never says they're stuck. It says that they are sent. And I don't know about you, but something happened when I began to think about the places in my life where I'm experiencing things I don't want to experience, when I'm looking at the life of the Israelite, when I say they're not stuck. Stuck is being trapped. Sent has purpose and meaning. It may not be where you want to be. 
As we look in this text, I want to read a couple different things from you. In Jeremiah 29, 4, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The very place that they're at, they were carried by the living God and sent there. They're not stuck. They've been sent into this location. And when you are sent, there is purpose and there is meaning. We back up into Jeremiah 24. And the Lord is speaking through a vision to Jeremiah. And they're having a conversation. And Jeremiah has this vision. And the Lord says, hey, hey, bud, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, well, I see two baskets of figs. One are good. One basket is good. And it's very good. It looks delicious. The other is really bad. Not worth eating. Can't eat it. And then the Lord says to him these words. Then the word of the Lord came to him and says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Like these good figs, I regard you as good, the exile, as, as, sorry, like these good figs, I regard as good the exiles from Judah. When I sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. Then he says this, I've sent them. And this is what he says he's doing to the people he sent. My eyes will watch over them for their good. And I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, that they will be my people and I will be their God. For they will return to me with all of their hearts. This is amazing. They're going to the place they don't want to go, but in the place they don't want to go, God's going to fulfill the deepest desires of their hearts to be protected, to be provided for, to have their hearts drawn to him. And he commits himself to says, hey, you may be in a place you don't want to be and things aren't the way you want it to be, but guess what? The ground of exile produces the sweetest fruit because it draws us back to the Lord. And he's saying to them, this is a place of provision for your good. A place where I will watch over you. A place where I will build you up. I will plant you, not scatter you. I will give you my heart. And I will be your God. And you will be my people. You're going to belong to me. I love this. That oftentimes, when we are in a season that we say, I don't like this. I feel trapped. A perspective begins to shift to say, wait a minute, maybe I'm not trapped, I'm actually sent. Maybe this isn't punishment, but this is actually the provision of God. I just don't like the surroundings and the case it's come in. But this is a place where he's going to teach me that he is watching over me, but I don't like it here. It doesn't matter. But I don't want this job. I don't like the way my relationship is. Let that be the fertile soil and which the Lord begins to bring a transformation as he says to Jeremiah, for your good, for my good. Share a quick story. Um, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but um, my dad and mom, they live in Ashland, Ohio. They may be watching. Good morning, folks. And um, my dad was wrapping up his career at a seminary, been a seminary professor, president, um, academic ninja for most of his career. And they were there, 
and he was wrapping it up, and they had bought a townhouse in Longmont, because his and my dream was eventually they were going to spend half of their time out here and maybe even transition to Colorado, because we like each other, and he likes Colorado. I think he likes hunting more than me, but that's okay. That's okay. He loves Colorado. But right around the time that he was retiring and able to leave that location, my grandparents got ill. My grandmother had Alzheimer's. She's since passed. My grandfather's passed. And he had to bring them to Ashland into a home to care for them, which meant, guess what? He's not going anywhere. And I remember having the conversations with him about feeling trapped. Him being like, this was my out. And now I'm stuck. And there's no end in sight. It's as long as they live. And I remember watching this transition of a man, and we didn't have this language at the time, but I remember the gift as a, as a middle-aged man, watching an older man and woman transition and surrender to say, you know what, I'm not stuck. I'm sent here. There's a meaning here. Eventually, they sold the townhouse in Longmont, and they still live in Ashland. But I'll tell you, watching someone migrate from stuck to sent is greater than an inheritance of a townhouse in Longmont, even though the market was really, really good. <laughs> but that inheritance of being able to go, oh my gosh, how do we find peace in places we don't want to be? The first thing is, there's a change in perspective, there's a change in heart to realize that God may have carried you into this spot. That God may have placed you in this spot, sent you into this relationship for your good, not just the other persons in the environment. I don't know about you, but all of a sudden it goes, I'm not stuck. I have opportunity. And I love that. The land of our exile can be the very ground that produced the greatest fruit in our lives. We move on and we read in this text. We move to the next point from being you are not stuck, you are, you are sent. We move to settle down and settle in. Jeremiah 29, 5 and 6 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel. Say to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. One of the things in this is the Lord said to them, you're not leaving, you've been sent. Now settle down and settle in. It's not written in this text, but Jeremiah has an appendix to this book called Lamentations. We've talked about that. It is a book complaining. It's Jeremiah's kind of personal journal. This one is written publicly for everyone else, and then there's a leaked journal of Jeremiah just saying, God, this is terrible. This is not what we wanted. And so one of the things in this is in the settling down place, there are times we just need to get honest with God and say, uh, excuse me, this isn't what I signed up for, and this isn't my dreams. Just so you're sure, Lord, that I know you know this isn't my dream. And the Lord says, yeah, I've got a hope and a future for you. How about that one? But the first thing we have to do is just settle ourselves down because you ain't going 
anywhere. And complaining is not going to get you out fast enough. 70 years doesn't come quicker by complaining. So the next thing, settle in. And I love what he begins to say here is settle in. The first thing is build and settle. And what it is in this, and I want to take a view of this, and I'm going to go a little metaphorically, and it's going to kind of go from like 10,000 feet, not the specifics on things. But what he is saying to the people is create a space that is an outpost of the kingdom of God in the place you don't want to be. Create a space that is a kingdom outpost in the place you don't want to be. And so what that can look like is literally telling them, you're in exile, you're in captivity, I've sent you there, build a home, and within the walls of that home, let that be a sanctuary of the kingdom of God. That you will live in the vision of the values of the kingdom of God in that place, regardless of what's going on outside. We have friends most of them have been to this individual's house. They may or may not live in Lafayette. That house could be moved to any city in America and you would experience the same thing. The door is literally always open. It says you're welcome here above. You walk in and it doesn't matter the surrounding, which are beautiful. There is a sense of welcome and hospitality and friendship, and laughter, and the gamut of emotions are all welcome, and you're going to be fed, you may get a haircut, all of these things are going to happen in the location. Because regardless of where they live, they're creating a space as an outpost of the kingdom of God, even in a place they don't always want to be. And we get to do that. No longer are we a victim we're actually assertive in this. That's what a house looks like. Maybe this is at work, your office, your cubicle, the water fountain, whatever it is. Being able to have some place in the place you don't want to be to say, you know what? Within the confines of this area, we will live under the principles of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jeremiah is saying to the people. Don't let your external surroundings dictate what's going to be happening in your home. Build, build and settle into that and invite others into that. Next, we're going to move. Plant and eat. I'll be brief on this one. Create your own sources of nourishment in the places you don't want to be. Oftentimes, when we are in our culture, and we see this all the time, we complain about what's happening politically, socially, economically, because we are trying to feed off of those as a source of nourishment. But in this text, Jeremiah, and you see the metaphor, the parallel, he's saying, plant a garden and eat that fruit. Don't be dependent on an external place to meet your internal needs. And so what is it for you? As you answered those questions, I've lived in a place that I don't want to live. I've had a job I don't want to have. I'm in a relationship that, I don't, that isn't what I want it to be. And I'm in that now. One of the things is you build the sanctuary. The second thing is begin to create your own sources of sustenance spiritually, relationally. Because that will bring peace. I'd love to stay there, but i got to move on. You're going to see the metaphor for this. Mary, when he talks about marry and have wives and husbands, he literally means get married. But what I wanted to take aback from this is oftentimes when we're in places we don't want to be, we close ourselves off from loving and being loved and committing to people. So one of the things is the bravery 
to say, yes, enter into committed relationships of marriage, but also let's use that as a metaphor to back up and say, in those times we often wall off and withdraw, open yourself up to loving others and being loved and committing to them in the hard and in the good. The next thing, have children. Obviously he meant literally have children. Let's use, it as a met- let's use that as a metaphor. When we're in those seasons, one of the things we can do is to begin to nurture, provide for, and protect the next generation. And we're investing in them. And so what happens is we begin to settle down and settle in, and you begin to see glimpses of the paradise of the kingdom in the places you don't want to be because it begins to move through. Because we have been sent, we are not stuck. It's time for us to settle down and settle in. Next point. As we move, this, the, just wrapping that up, outward actions can ignite inward peace. There's times where we have to act our way into feeling. And that's what happens in that section. The last thing that I want to share with you. We need to engage not escape. I am an aggressive withdrawler, I confess. What it means is when I don't like something, I'm going to push you away as I get back. (laughs) Some people just disappear. No, 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 I want you to know. I want you to feel that I am escaping now and put a little stink on it. Jeremiah says, also seek, the Lord says through Jeremiah, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it, it prospers, you too will prosper. So interesting that finding shalom in places we don't want to be, the Lord spiritually marries the prosperity of the environment we don't like to our own well-being. Man, that's a good tactic to get us to care for the ones around us. But the first thing we see is seek peace. NIV says seek peace and prosperity. ESV and other places will seek the welfare, but the word is shalom, which is a holistic peace for the environment. But the first thing we do to engage and not escape is we have to have a transformation of stop calling our environment and the ones we're frustrated with our enemies. And start looking at them as our neighbors. Stop calling them our enemies. There will never be shalom when you continue to call and look at someone as your enemy. There will never be peace when I'm looking at you and saying, you're my enemy and Jesus makes me love you. But if there is a transition of what Jesus talks about of love your neighbors to begin to look at everyone as our neighbor, when I begin to call you neighbor, There's a transition that begins to happen in our soul, just with that very language. Friends, when we're in a city we don't want to be, oftentimes, the amount of times I've mocked places I lived in, it's embarrassing. Public apology to Ashland. It's a great place. But I mocked it. And referred to it as my enemy because it wasn't my dream location. And what happened is it began to create a rift between me and the location. And what was fascinating is I viewed it as my captor instead of my neighbor. 
What has to happen for us to begin to have peace in those places we don't want to be is we look around and we begin to say, you're not my enemy, you're my neighbor. And for some, and this is going to get personal, you need to begin to look at your spouse as your neighbor and not your enemy. Don't even go to partner, lover, and all those other things. Just go, let's start with neighbor. That this person isn't your captor. This person is your neighbor. And Jesus says to love your neighbor. So we begin that transition. The next thing that we do as we're seeking peace and prosperity, as we are engaging and not escaping, is we don't withhold. I love the ones that the Lord picks up from Jerusalem and takes to Babylon. Of leaders, skilled workers, and artisans. He takes these individuals, picks them up, and takes them into a location. And so what Jeremiah is saying through the word of the Lord is he's saying, stop withholding your skills and start using them for the place you're at. Artisans, bless the city by making things that are beautiful. Bring beauty to that environment. Skilled workers, begin to use your talents to build up the city. Official, use the things that the Lord has shown you and that you have abilities for and engage in the environment. One of the things that I love is we have multiple amazingly gifted administrators. And I'm not gonna call this individual out, but one of the more progressive schools in the Boulder Valley School District. This individual leverages her brilliance as an administrator and that environment for the betterment of that place, even though she doesn't agree with all the things that are going on. What does that create? Peace. Because one of the things that I think, and this is a side, this is my own opinion, before you can change policies, you must change hearts. And if you will leverage looking at someone as your neighbor and using the God-given gifts you have, you begin to change hearts, and hearts begin to change policies. And so what we do is what are the things that you, because we've been throwing a tantrum and saying, I don't want to be here. This isn't my dream. You didn't turn out the way I thought you would. We begin to withhold our gifts against them. And the Lord is saying, use your gifts. If you are skilled at a certain thing, engage in that community Offer that to that community, and it will bring peace and prosperity to them. And guess what's going to happen when their peace and prosperity happens? It's going to, I'm rubber, your glue, bounce off me and sticks to you. It comes back. But it comes back to us. And so we engage. We don't escape. We begin to look at them as our neighbor. We begin to apply the talents and the gifts and the skills that we have in the place we don't want to be. And a transformation happens because it's not just about the environment. A transformation begins to happen on the inside. My final point here, as the band could get ready. We seek peace, we seek prosperity, and we seek the Lord. Jeremiah says, pray to the Lord for this. And I can almost hear him saying like, you better start praying. <laughs> because there are some things that can only happen supernatural. Sometimes we need to step in with supernatural power to change natural circumstances. Does that make sense? And so he's saying, do all of these things, but not as a final, but as a crescendo 
as the climax of it, pray for it, that God's going to do it. And so what we begin to do is what if you went down and you're in a place to say, I don't like where I live. What if you committed to say, Lord, I will begin to pray for this place. I will begin to pray for its peace and prosperity. I will begin to pray that I see and have your heart for the location. What if in the job that you're in that you feel like you're stuck but you're actually sent, you begin to say, I'm going to pray for the people I work for and work with. And I commit to that, to see God do what only he can do. In the relationships, whether it be friendships or whether it be uh, a marriage or whether it be working, whatever it be, that in the relationship you begin to go, I am committing to stop complaining and start interceding on behalf of this person that God does all he wants to do in this person's life. And then we sit back and watch him do what only he can do. Friends, it's tough. I don't like what I don't like. (laughs) It's not my favorite to live in places or be in places that I don't want to be. I don't hide it well. I don't like spending my time doing things that I don't love doing. And I'm oftentimes really disappointed and frustrated when the relationships I'm in are not what I want them to be, and it feels like exile. But what I believe the Lord is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to me and to you is to say, friends, today, can we decide we're not stuck? We are not stuck. We're sent. Can we have a good cry and complain and then settle down and settle in and get to work building the kingdom of God in the places where we are? Can we then begin to say, I will commit to stop escaping through entertainment, through complaining, through whatever it is, and I'm going to start engaging. And I'm going to look at the people in my community, and I'm going to stop cursing them. And I'm going to start blessing them. And I'm going to call them my neighbor and my friend. And then can we take the very gifts that the Lord has given us and say, Lord, I don't know if I could do it for them, but I can do it for you. And I'm going to apply the gifts and the skills and the talents and the resources I have for your glory. And they're good. I pray these things. My friends, I bless you that you will begin to make this migration. I encourage you to spend some time this week reading Jeremiah 1 through 11 or 12... 29, 1 through 11 and 12. Just read over and again because there's so much that I left out. But you will begin to have a change of perspective. I want to close you with this, close with this blessing. If you'll receive it. Godspeed, my friends. May you experience the shalom of God in the place you have been sent. May you settle in and engage for the good of others to the glory of God. May you know he watches over you, that he is building you up, that he has planted you, and that he has given you a heart to know him. And my friends, I bless you with this deep into your soul. You are his, and he is yours. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah.